Logan Lucky is Steven Soderbergh's return to big heist movies, but is this one rolling Lucky 7s or Terrible Snake Eyes? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. Movie review podcast, and today we're talking about Logan Lucky. Darren, this was a movie. <laughs> I hate doing really weak openings, but it's very hard to do weak or well, strong openings for a movie where, and I don't want to go barreling into the review straight away because obviously everyone enjoys a bit of preamble, but that was just really good and I enjoyed it's solid. Absolutely lot, solid show lot, from everyone, really. Not a lot to pick apart here. No. Um, I'm now getting the feeling from your tone of voice that I actually like this a little less than you did. Probably. And, and it's not to say it's a bad movie. It's genuinely a good movie. But I think there are some parts that are not very weak, but are, you can pick apart. Yeah, there's definitely some things I'd like to pick apart later on in the review to do with sort of pacing and stuff like that. But we'll start, as we always start, uh, by talking about the main cast. And somebody who I can't pick apart in this movie is Channing Tatum. Right. Incredibly lovable, to be honest. Great White Hope pulls it out again. <laughs> Fantastic. Good, um, sweet old Channy T. Yeah, the Wimps and Future Gambit. <laughs> um, <laughs> that movie <laughs> just keeps popping up and then looking around. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we were meant to have it by now. Yep. It was meant to come out this year. Um, and no. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, he's pretty good. Um, he's been getting progressively better and better and better as anyone who saw that I put Magic Mike 2 on my top 10 movies of that year um, chiefly because of him because he's genuinely a very nice guy he's very likeable and he carries it across here he's playing I, I think he's playing to type yeah. in that he's playing he did I, I saw him on the one show <laughs> that's how far I'll follow Channing T I'll even watch God. the fucking one show <laughs> um, and he grew up when he went to university in in Virginia so mm. that's why he's got the accent down pretty pat um, which gives me great hope for Gambit yes. um, and yeah he, he's he's playing to type he's not trying to be a smart person he's not trying to be a particularly dapper person he's just being a good old boy from the country and it works so well which is something that's weirdly inherent to this movie is that the 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 idea of the good southern boy charm, as it were, and sort of the the family aspect that surrounds uh, American southern living is one of the biggest aspects that's brought forward by this movie, which is pretty much embodied by Tatum, really. And I think, I mean, Chain kind of personifies it, but they play into both the 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 kind of. Not negative stereotypes, but the typical stereotypes. And then the kind of more aspirational side of this southern living. So you do get hicks, and they are a bit stupid, and they are a bit backwards. But then it also plays into their, like, love of community, their great, you know, communal spirit, how much they all do kind of know each other, and they all get along. Um, it's very Dukes of Hazardy. It is, isn't it? In, in the best of ways, it's very Dukes of Hazardy. I'm like, certain somebody jumps over a muscle car in this movie. I absolutely well, so, yeah. guarantee you at some point there's a muscle car doing some jumping. Um, like, they have the whole child beauty pageant, which is a big thing in the save. Mm. And it's not really paid for... It's played for laughs occasionally, but then it's also kind of played straight. Yeah. Which I think plays this movie's strength. They don't... Yes, they take the Mickey a little bit out of the country bumpkins, but they don't 
really going too far into it. You're always on their side. Well, they tick the boxes, don't they? They have the county fair, they have NASCAR, they yeah, have yeah. terrible, terrible beer. Yeah. And, yeah, amazingly, it's it's pulled off as a joke to begin with and then sort of quite po-faced. And it's a, it's a weird, delicate balance. The movie never really dips into any one side for too long. Yeah. So like, you have the, oh, these southern people don't know what the internet is. And then very quickly it's like, okay, no, but they're actually very hardworking and can be quite uh, resourceful when it comes to yeah. pulling off the heist, for example. Yeah. And you like him all the way through. That's the best thing about Jane Tate. You're always yeah. on his side. Um, and that of his brother. Played by Kylo Ren. Who is my favourite character in the movie, not even going to lie. <laughs> Adam Driver is just, again, playing to strength. I don't think Adam Driver is a fantastic actor. I think that's kind of to his strength in this role, though. And that makes it better here that he just, <laughs> yeah. he's playing to his base. He's just like deadpan self. <laughs> and it works so well. I think Ad- Adam Driver saying the word cauliflower in oh, that it's... accent is the most... It's the sweetest thing this year. It's beautiful. Cauliflower. It's, it's so, so, so good. He's so funny. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty funny movie altogether, but I do think he gets the biggest laughs. And he's never, again, he's just so straight-laced <laughs> and so, like, expressionless that it works so well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole, he's got the fake arm, which is quite funny all the way through. <laughs> it's weird, because they, they dad the whole, like, the tragic backside story of it, the whole he's an Iraq vet, which is... Because that's where most of like that the whole feeding back into the southern things, that's where a lot of troops came from. Yeah. Are young men from the south mm-hmm. who went off to fight in Iraq and had to pay you know that price. So there's kind of a social commentary to be had there. Yeah. But at the same time, it's funny because it's a fake arm and he loses it and it's funny. <laughs> When he gets sucked off. Yeah. Oh. oh well, hang on. We need to. We need to clarify that statement. We, no, no context given. <laughs> when it gets sucked off, <laughs> you will enjoy yourself. Um, well, their sister, yeah. as well, who I've just found out is Elvis's um, granddaughter. Oh, this is Lisa Marie Presley's daughter. My God. Put it this way: the king had good genes. Yeah. Popping out the big corner for a second. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Thing. Well done, Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sentence I didn't think I'd say today. Keo, uh, yes. who plays who plays the 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 sister Melly. Yeah, a very attractive woman, not even gonna lie. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, she was also in Magic Mike, funnily enough. Was she? She was in Magic Mike, yeah. Uh, I haven't actually seen the first Magic Mike. You've only seen Magic only Mike seen the sequel. Um, that's just the way I roll. Um, Who did she play in the original? Give me a second. I'm just going to pull you, that up. You look that up whilst I, I say we I get was, out of the corner. She played Nora in the original. There we go. Great. That's meaningless to both of us. Yay. Um, but no, she was good. She was... I, I don't you know, particularly remember anything Hold fantastic. the fucking phone. She was in Fury Road. Who was she in Fury Road? I'm I need to know she's this. she's one of the, the brides. The... Yes, she was. Ah. She was one of the brides. She was capable. Wait, wait, hang on. That's that the name of the character. Oh, okay. To be fair, this is also a movie where the other rides are called Toast the Knowing and Cheeto the Fragile. So, you know. And she was just called Capable. Yeah, Capable. But yeah, she was in Mad Max. Awesome. Yeah, yeah we, we like Riley Keough. She goes on the list. She can... <laughs> no, I don't want to make that sound like, you know, what? there's an implication there. What, what list are we referring She's to? She's on the same guess? list as, like, Daisy Ridley in terms of new young actresses who are pretty rad. Oh, oh. Cool. Okay. And also, but uh, okay. Uh, let's get out of pink out corner. Of pink, I mean, we just talked about how handsome Chain Tatum is, so it's fine. We're balancing the books. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she was fine. There's no one in this entire cast that I really had like a problem with. And thought they weren't very good. I thought um, Chain Tatum's daughter did a pretty good, uh, a 
pretty good role. I don't think it's his actual daughter. I probably misspoke there. But the actress playing his daughter did a really good job as, a, as far as child actresses goes. Uh, Katie Holmes, just happy to be free of Tom Cruise. He's just happy to be in a movie again, I think. <laughs> <laughs> She's playing Cypress uh, just a very happy ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not that much of a stretch for Katie Holmes these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, she had some experience for that role. Jesus. Um, she she went truly method for this part. Uh, also, fine. Um, just fine. This is such a I'd... problem. It's such a, I know, an right? We're just We're just going down and going, yeah, they were cool. Sorry, just to bring you back. Uh, Farrah McKenzie was the name of the child actress playing uh, Jimmy Logan's daughter. And I always like to, to, to mention the child actress names because they're, you know, genuinely sometimes better than the main cast. Yeah. And she was very lovable. Um, let's carry on to the one which I think might split us. Maybe. Go on. I think maybe we're going to have a difference of opinion with um, Daniel Craig as Jimmy Bang. Because you think he... It was really good and really enjoyed it. I, know, I thought he was really oh, good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> How can you not enjoy James Bond as a hillbill <laughs> explosive expert? Yeah. It's the best thing in this entire movie. He's got just the craziest looking eyes on him. He's just, he's just a very funny and intense oh, character. Who knew Daniel Craig could do comedy? Who knew he was a good character actor? Because right? he's only been playing to type in every movie I've seen him in. This includes like Layer Cake, where he's yeah. already playing like a... A slightly lower class Bond, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here he's, it, it's a far cry from what we've seen him in And he's before. having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it is so much fun to watch him have so much fun. Um, because he's been very droll in all those Bond movies. And he hasn't really done anything outside of the Bond movies, I don't think. Not since, no. But he has been playing to a, a typecast, which unfortunately, I say unfortunately, I think unfortunately for him, he's returning to. I don't think he wants to, but I think, haven't Warner Brothers just pulled up the dunk yeah. trunk full of money and gone, we need you for one more. They got him back in for one more, which is fine, okay, great. I was going looking forward. Apparently, it's because he fucking hates Tom Hardy and <laughs> will do everything he can to delay the inevitable of Tom Hardy becoming James Bond for as long as he possibly can, which is which is fantastic. Okay, I mean, I, I, Tom... Tom Hardy seems like a, a great bloke, but uh, likes dogs makes him a good he, man. He does like dogs, um, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of a single Daniel Craig movie other than this one that's come out since Casino Royale. That's a point. Can you think of a single Daniel Craig? I know he voiced property? the bear in that shit Golden Compass movie, didn't they? Was that him? I think that was him. I thought they got. Am I thinking of Aslan? Did they get Liam Neeson to do that's Aslan? That's Liam Neeson. Right. Okay. But okay. still, I can't think of any. He. Oh, he's in Cowboys and Aliens. If you remember oh, that. Oh yeah. That train wreck. Oh god, that and, was awful. And the American Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. Yeah, and now... also Star Wars Seven. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Just... Now I'm thinking about it. He's actually been in a fair few things. Yeah, they've all been shit though. That's the problem. Oh, I like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, I guess Defiance was okay, but yeah, he was. He was the bear in Golden Compass, which was just a terrible Fantastic. idea. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, he's the highlight of this movie. His brothers are pretty good as well. They're quite enjoyable, but yeah, you're, you're basically you're here for for Daniel Craig. Yeah, the the brothers were played by uh, Brian Gleeson and Jack Quaid, by the way, and I enjoyed them for what it was worth. I think they had their laughs, and they they had an opportunity to overstay their welcome. Yeah, and they nearly took it, but luckily it was it was real back in yeah. quite tastefully a lot of the time. We, we skirted them becoming annoying and 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 got it back. Yeah. Um, I think that's the cast covered. Really, it is. Yeah. Oh wait, hang on, because this this movie has a bit of a weird problem. Um, oh wait, no, there's two more. Seth MacFarlane's in this. Oh, fucking hell! Oh, you don't like Seth MacFarlane, do you? No, no, I don't. I oh, he, he was fine as soon as he turned up doing one of the worst British accents I think I've ever heard. Um, he was meant to be Australian, I think. That's supposed to be British, mate. 
No, but he can do British. He, he didn't do it very well. Are you sure he wasn't meant to be Australian? I'm reading the wiki right now. Seth MacFarlane plays Max Chilblain, an arrogant British businessman. Oh. He was meant to be British. Stewie's British. Yeah. So he can do a British accent. And he... as, as long as he's doing this voice, apparently. But no, he oh my God. sucked. I didn't do I it. really think he was meant to be Australian. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah, he was doing a very bad British accent <laughs> yeah, in that case. told you. Um, he was fine. I mean, whenever Seth MacFarlane turns up, he's okay. What was his relevance other than to be really trying to force Seth MacFarlane-style comedy in this movie? Well, he Which only is... shows up twice. True. Which and in is... one of those times, he's getting the shit kicked out of him by Sweet Chenny T, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It, it seems like, because apparently Steven Soderbergh being such a, you know, the director that he is, having the pull that he is, he has a lot of people just asking to be in his movies. Mm. It did feel like a role that they invented for, for Seth MacFarlane to be in this movie. I think there's a version of this movie that doesn't have this character in it. There's a different version of this movie that doesn't have a lot of these ancillary characters. For example, Bucky Barnes is, a, is, a, <laughs> yeah. is an F1, well, the NASCAR driver, yeah. um, Sebastian Stan, which I didn't know until you told me five minutes ago <laughs> that Sebastian Stan was in it. I completely missed him without his, without his Winter Soldier hair. Um, and he doesn't, he, he's just a... He's there. He's there. Uh, and then King, or well, Queen of all the, and then they're just there, Hilary Swank. Yeah, for the last ten minutes, maybe. It has like, a bit okay. of a Lord of the Rings problem in that this movie has about five endings, and it and and you, it comes to the end of the hoist, and you think, well, they've got away with it. Okay, that's a bit of a turn. There's usually a, you know, someone nearly catches them, but they've got away with this. And then Hilary Swank turns up, and you're like, wow, they got her in to do like one scene. Okay, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, we got twenty minutes left to go. All right, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but I think that feeds into the problem that the movie has with pacing in general. Yeah. Which, it's an otherwise enjoyable movie, but it always feels like it's going to ramp up to something that never gets there. And I think the sty- the Soderbergh style has been diluted a little bit in this yeah. film. It's not the moment-to-moment, play-to-play of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And I think, to a certain extent, the sequel. Maybe mm. not Ocean's Thirteen, that was a bit... <sighs> but certainly Eleven and Twelve had this moment-to-moment play, whereas this feels a bit more methodical, which is which is actually really kind of uh, epitomised by the thing that never really gets brought up again when he puts the list of heist rules on the fridge. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so we are literally working down a list. We know exactly where the movie's going. Yeah, they gave you a framing device there and then chose to completely ignore that framing device (laughs) for the most part. It was, I think... This, you know, the time spent planning, because you're not entirely sure what the plan is, is a, is a little muddled. When you actually get to the heist, it's very good. The heist itself is very enjoyable. But then there's this weird epilogue that kind of takes the wind out of the sails, which is the Hilary Swank section of yeah. this movie. And again, it felt like this was tacked on to give Hilary Swank an opportunity to be in this movie, which I don't think it needed. No. And we had to then have a second clever twist at the end to kind of get you back to that point of jubilation. You had already got to when they pull off the heist, which was very odd yeah. for me. There's also a character that they introduced about halfway through, uh, and she's played by Catherine Waterson. Who I really enjoyed. Who's the who plays like a nurse in a roaming van? Oh yeah, she was in Fantastic Beasts. She was, find them, which I couldn't again couldn't figure out until I got out of the movie and was able to look her up. I was like, she's been in something. <laughs> what was it? She was that awful person in um, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Yeah, um, yeah, she gets brought up for one scene, 
and then isn't mentioned again for a very, very long time. Yeah. And it's a shame because I felt like that aspect of the movie was probably in an earlier draft. Yeah. And and it just got lost in the shuffle, which is a shame because that aspect of the movie, of the whole, like, the dying healthcare thing they've got going on, was, that was really interesting. I'm like, I know this is a heist movie and I shouldn't be giving a shit about the Trump care, Obamacare thing we've got going on over here. But this character's engaging and I liked the whole, mm. the way in which she's brought back into the fold at the end and I felt like she could have had a bigger impact on the movie. Yeah. It kind of felt like everything that Melly did in the heist could have been shared. It could have it made her look more badass. Yes. But it could have been shared duties with um with Sylvia with You're that right. character. It does actually you know now the more you we talk about it, it does seem quite Frankenstein together. Mm. Like you've got the the hillbilly hoist section of it, but then the Hillary Swank stuff, the stuff with Seth MacFarlane and Sebastian Stan, the stuff with the nurse there's several things going on here that I don't know if they're just meant to... They're actually there to meant to pull their attention away from what would otherwise reveal what, you know, what's going to happen in this otherwise pretty straightforward hoist movie. Um, and and that can be annoying, but then I think the comedy is strong enough that it actually pulls it through. Yeah. Comedy has not been great for several years at this point. No, we've had a few decent movies. I mean, I had Popstar was in my top five last year. I really enjoyed Popstar. You enjoyed Popstar more than I did. I, I liked think, Popstar. I think I enjoyed it more than most audiences. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, like, straight shoot comedies have not been great. We've been having to look to... Marvel movies to get a, a yeah. true We've had to comedies. go and watch Guardians because Sausage Party's been shit. Oh you know I mean? god, I forgot about Sausage Party. But this delivers pretty strong laughs all the way through it, especially whenever Daniel Craig is there. Yeah. Because he they they double down on comedy with him like you would not believe. Him explaining science of gummy bears <laughs> yeah. is probably the best scene in the movie. My, I think the biggest laugh, to, laugh it got from me is that there is, not to spoil too much, but there is a scene where a prisoner's gone into lockdown. Yeah, um, and it's the when the oh. prisoners are demanding to know what happens in Game of Thrones, and I like that it's here again. It, the comedy lends itself into the the style of having the southern drawl on everything, and then calmly discussing George R. R. Martin is one of the funniest fucking things. And they can't quite figure out the dynamics of why he hasn't finished the winter, winter yet, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't quite work. For them. Oh, that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that's all I basically have to say about spoiler warnings. Which, really, there won't be much to spoil. No. It's a very straightforward film, yeah. which does get, like I say, it feels a bit Frankenstein together, but really gets by on the comedy, the likability of the characters, mm-hmm. and the aesthetic of the southern charm. I think yeah. it really pays off in droves. I must admit, I don't know why this movie isn't doing as good as I thought it would. Here it makes sense, though. Like, in this country, for British audiences, I feel... I think there won't be as much to connect with. It's, Whereas I think Middle America, hopefully this movie does gangbusters. I don't think it's doing that well. And I don't think there's much else at the moment that you would think, well, that's what's stopping it. I mean, you've got that, the Hitman's Bodyguard, which mm. I wrote off as just like, whenever I see Samuel Jackson in something, I always tend to think, is he just doing this as a tax write-off? Because that seems to be what it is. But um, <laughs> it's not doing great. Well, what... In theatres right now, what's it going up against? I mean, Emoji Movie's still out, and that's still getting the kids in for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, Hitman's Bodyguard is out, which, pff, I mean, it looks as generic as generic goes. It's just they've happened to have landed Ryan Reynolds for it. Apparently it's all right. I mean, I have no great yeah, desire I, to go and see it. Much but... like The Rock, I'll probably follow uh, Ryan Reynolds to most places. Yeah. I haven't seen this one yet, and I no. don't think I will 
in theatres, but I'll, I'll give yeah, it a watch, give it a watch eventually. But yeah, it's not doing gangbusters. And I thought this is a pretty loaded cast, and it's a heist movie from the bloke who did Ocean's Eleven. I thought that had number one hit written all over it and would hold that position until something like Kingsman comes to knock it down. But for whatever reason, that hasn't happened. And that's a little disappointing because, you know, despite the flaws I think it does have, which are there for all to see, it's pretty fucking good. And it's been in good critical responses as well. We're not the only ones jumping on the bandwagon. Pretty much everybody's saying it's great. And yet, Oh, no. it, it, it's falling behind because of Annabelle creation, apparently, according to this. <sighs> Which, it's a fucking An IG movie prequel. for a doll. Yeah, basically. All right, fine. With this way, don't get nice things. <laughs> yeah, like the interesting and charming creative movie, which does have some flaws, against the horror movie that people make the jump scare at. Uh, Great, thanks. And Samuel Jackson's latest tack right off. Right, mm. we, uh, but still, a recommendation. A yes. hearty recommendation. I think we've definitely read a bit too more into it, like we always do, because it's critics and our, if that's our job. Yeah. Um, but I think on the surface, there's definitely a lot to enjoy. I would, I don't think this is going to be top ten material for the year. No. But I think it's only missing by a narrow margin. I think it's just, I'm fairly confident that there will be movies that are better paced and will have me more invested. Yep. But this was thoroughly enjoyable still. Very, very good. Spoiler alert! There's not much to spoil. I mean, like I said, it's straightforward. The heist gets done and the ending's too long. Speaking about that ending... Yeah. So they tried to do the Lord of the Rings thing, like the heist gets over and Chani T get, apparently gives up the money. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that was a bit of a waste. Yeah. So it drags and drags and drags. Everybody being like, sweet Chani T didn't give us the money and he's up sticks and moved somewhere else and it's all shit. And then it comes back around and it turns out he's the hero because he only gave back like a quarter or a half of the money. Yeah. In order to clear his conscience or something like, the final thing is know when to quit or something like yeah. that. And he, he he quits in the sense that he covers exactly what everybody needs and gives the rest back. Which is, it's noble. But it's it made no sense because at the end it's celebrated, you know, that bar scene at the end where Adam Driver's got the funky new Sith arm. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no other way to describe it. That is oh, fucking, yeah. that is Luke Skywalker's hand if ever yes, I've seen it one. Is. Um, so that happens... Everybody has exactly what they want. Like, he is now close to his daughter. He's got a new job. He's only working at, like, a hardware store, but... He's got a job. He's got a job. Because that was the thing that kicked this whole movie off. Which, weirdly enough, is the guy from Parks and Rec. Yeah, it is! It's Jerry <laughs> from Parks yeah, and Rec! Yeah. Which I'm happy about. I'm happy whenever Parks and Rec's Oh, it's, just, it's always the best. It's great. Um, and then it just... And then it ends with the really weird possible sequel cliffhanger of Hil- the wasted Hillary Swank character... Just coming and going deep undercover because she can't accept that G- that Jimmy got away with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because she's the only one that's figured it out. Yeah. Which, it seemed like a stretch at the time. Like, the the plan seemed to have gone fairly well. Yeah. Um, and I'm really picking it apart here. It's I, I can't see how she reached the conclusion that, like, no, it must be this one guy that got fired from the construction company with the help of these exact people doing this exact thing when no one was there to witness it. It's it's a bit contrived. And if this does spin off into a sequel, which I'd be interested in, but if we're following the plot line of Hilary Swank knows what we did six months ago, ah, like, that's not going to be interesting to me. If it's set up as a heist movie... The problem with the Ocean's Eleven sequels was that it became more and more contrived for them to have to do a heist. Because they're not professional heisters? 
bank robbers, are yeah. they? It's, it's not something that, you know, they can then just go, well, we're getting the crew back together to do another job. They did it for a specific reason. That specific reason has been met. Why go and do it again? And I don't think I'd be interested in a Logan Lucky 2 that wasn't a heist movie. Yeah. So... I'm I'm kind of happy with how it ends. You can't just force it again. You can't be like, oh no, my daughter's moving further away, and oh. the prom's tomorrow. Oh like, no! <laughs> no, you're essentially right. that's what it would be, and that wouldn't be a fun time. As a self-contained movie, it works quite well. It's just a shame about the pacing and the really stupidly drawn-out ending, which did get us a scene of of uh, Daniel Craig doing some frantic digging which is always fun oh, to the tune of Fortunate Son which yeah. I was like we're in the south can we just play Creedence Clearwater Revival already we know it's coming we all know it's coming okay Bad Moon Rising or Fortunate Son he's about to play let's just get it over with um, and I, I did catch myself singing um, Country Roads Take Me Home a few times after I watched this movie oh yeah um, no it was to, to, to do the kind of the false start ending where, you know, it's basically Channing Tatum leaving the money there so that NASCAR think they've got all the money back. Because they say several times, NASCAR don't know how much money was taken. So they have the chance then to say, well, we think we've recovered all of it. The heat's died down. No one's looking for this money anymore. Now it's okay for us to find them. Unless Daniel Craig had gone home and just happened to dig up his garden <laughs> the next day. Yeah. Which, how the hell did Channing find the time to bury the money? Yeah. Now I think about it, how did that happen? Huh. And there was something about his cell phone, which I didn't quite... Yeah, he doesn't like cell phones. And... No, but at the end, his cell phone running out of his contract was something to do with how they found the money. Yeah, like, he did... no, no, that made sense. He doesn't like cell phones. He didn't have a cell phone contract, but he took one out at the start of the heist to know that he'd clocked over. So he was using the stipulations of a cell phone contract, like a, a temporary cell phone contract, to count how long he would need to you know, enact uh, the final stages of the plan. That right. made sense to me. Okay. Now that's kind of It's fine. incredibly fucking convoluted and it was... Why couldn't you just count six months? Yeah. Uh, like, get a calendar. Yeah. It's not hard. Yeah. Your phone has a calendar. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, fine. Um, but yeah, there's, again, there's not much to pick apart here. You will have a good time if you elect to go and see this, I think. I, I again, haven't seen anyone come out who really dislike this. No. And it's worth it just to go and see Daniel Craig do something fun. Yeah, it's good. And now I'm kind of annoyed that he's going back to do another Bond. You know, because where was there left to go? Because he's got a girlfriend now. Unless they're going to remake um, You Only Live Twice and have him get married and then the wife gets shot and we finally get rid of George Lazenby, which would be fantastic. But um, unless that's going to happen, what is there left for him to do? I'd much rather him now start diving into comedy. Now we know he's good at it. So we've had the Spectre stuff, so what do we need? Yeah, yeah. There's literally nothing else left to do apart from Volcano Death Base. Or The Moon. But they're not going to do that. He's not set up to be that type of James Bond. Which is a shame. Tom Hardy could be. But (laughs) we have to wait for Daniel Craig to die first. (laughs) Before that happens. That's a positive note to end on. Yeah. Always good. Right then, we might as well plug it because I don't think there's anything else left to say. So then, you can go and follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram and a bunch of other things at, at that might go in, or you can go and follow the site at F O U L E N T. That's our username on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Minds, etc., etc. Darren, follow me on uh, Twitter at the Good Treat. You can also follow my Instagram at Daz the G. Uh, we will be recording another episode of Eight Bittersweet. The topic is going to be DLC versus microtransactions, which is the biggest evil. 
Um, yeah, that's all we got coming up for now. We, we're a little while away from Kingsman. Yeah. So hopefully something lands in our lap in the meantime between then and, and Kingsman that we can you know record a little eight bit eight bit suite on. Hopefully some Pokemon news comes out with um, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon rapidly approaching. We shall see. But yes, look out for that very very soon. Radio, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. Bye.